Hi, Ed. I'm happy to be with you today. My name is Roy Engelbrecht. I'm a fight promoter here in Orange County, California. Been doing it for 30 years. Um, our claim to fame is we, we do our Fight Club OC shows at the Hangar at the OC Fair and Events Center for the last 12 years and 25 years before that. We did uh, Battle on the Ball with the Irvine Marriott. And uh, we've got the only pro boxing, pro MMA hybrid show in the OC. So thanks for having me on today. This From the Heart podcast is presented by Orange Kiwi Consulting. The three most challenging transitions owners face, namely scale, sale, and succession, can often result in costly and confusing journeys. But the good news is it doesn't need to be that way. At Orange Kiwi, we help our clients succeed where others have failed by coming alongside them to help them navigate the challenges others simply aren't able to. We understand how to help you avoid that costly and confusing journey that comes with realizing the results that you really want. Visit our website today at orangekiwillc.com and use the code HLG2021 to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation and find out for yourself how we can help you gain greater clarity, confidence, and control while experiencing less stress and more satisfaction. All right, Roy, it's good to see you, man. It's been a while since I think the last time I saw you was probably on a Zoom call or two over the last uh, 16 months. Yeah, and uh, I've missed seeing you at your, your fights and so forth. Um, I think you and I probably met way back when you were a part owner in the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes minor league baseball team because I was a season ticket holder, I think, back in uh, around 2000. And uh, I don't know if that was about the time that you were involved with them, but I remember, I feel like I, I can't remember a time when I didn't know you. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you're interested in sports, I've been blessed to do a lot of sports here in Southern California from my 50 years ago with the Lakers and the Kings in the Forum to the San Bernardino Spirit when we brought a Cal League team with Mark Harmon then. We had convinced Rancher Cucamonga to build the epicenter and we moved the Quakes over there. And we were really the, the, the pioneers for minor league baseball and the entertainment aspect of it. And I don't say that that's not bragging. It's true. I mean, we really did things that no one else had done before. And now everybody does it, both in the minor leagues and the major leagues. Yeah. What drew you to, to minor league sports? I mean, I know you were with the Lakers and we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, curious, what drew you first to, to minor league sports? You've been called the king of minor league fighting, but before yeah, we go I, there, just your interest yeah. in minor league sports in general. Yeah, well, I, you know, up until in 1984, when, when I first uh, thought about minor league sports, it was really minor league sports didn't really exist except base baseball. And at that time, it was really a mom and pop operation, a lot of minor league teams. Mom and pop, the mom did and the kids did the concession stand and so forth because it wasn't big, big business. There wasn't in any, there wasn't a minor league and the NBA did not have a minor league at that time. Uh, hockey had just a few, I think, American Association. What all started it for me was, and I, and I, I um, about developing entrepreneurial eyes and ears. And when I talk about entrepreneurial eyes, I mean, just when you see something in the newspaper, don't just look at the headlines, read through it. And I remember, and I've said, I told this story a hundred times, maybe more, picked up the Sunday LA Times business section. That's when the LA Times had more than two sections or three sections. Yeah. And at the lower, the, the, the below the fold was a big headline, the Inland Empire, the fastest growing area in California. Now, this was probably 1983. And I read it. I just did the headline. I'm living in Newport Beach. What do I care about the Inland Empire? Um, but I said, boy, fastest growing growing people. And I had just left the forum after eight years and gone on my own. And I read it and it said the Inland Empire, San Bernardino was more people were moving in there than any place in the state. I thought to myself, well, if people are moving in there, that means there's more people than before. That means they need to be entertained, that they're going to be looking for things to do. Hmm. And I had a friend that I went to college with who was an assistant GM at a minor league team in the Midwest League. And I thought, man, he is lucky to work for a minor league baseball team would be, you know, you do it all on it. So I drove out to San Bernardino. This is 1983. San Bernardino was a thriving community at Norton Air Force Base. It was, it was a strong, strong city. And I went to a McDonald's and walked around downtown. I said, boy, 
these people look like they would love baseball. They don't want soccer. They want baseball. And uh, I went to the city hall and I came, met with somebody in redevelopment. I said, you think people would like baseball out here? Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I got the stat, stats and so forth. I went back and I looked up the California League. And again, Ed, as you know, this was before anybody was really interested. It was very regional, very citywide. And I saw that the California team had, the league had 10 teams, but there was one team that uh, had stopped operations, which was Lodi. So they only had nine teams. But the Lodi franchise was bought by a developer in Ventura. And Ken McMullen was his partner, former Dodger, and the funeral home operator in, in Ventura. And the developer had promised them that they were going to build a big mall, a sh- outdoor shopping mall, and they were going to build a stadium as kind of the centerpiece of it. So everybody would come to it. So Ken McMullen and his partners secured the Lodi franchise. I'm, we're, gonna, we're moving to Ventura because we're going to have this new place. And the developer went belly up. Hmm. So they ended up playing at Ventura Junior College. No lights. State campus, no beer, and they had to play with no light. They played in the afternoon, and they lost their shirts, and I found out that it was for sale. So I went to a some friends in Newport Beach that had money, and I said, guys, trust me. Let's buy this franchise, move it to San Bernardino. And you know what? You, you, have, you talk to wealthy people who have made tens of millions in the car business or the medical field. And you think they would be entrepreneurial and they're not. They know what they do and they really don't want to gamble. Right. They, they just they, they want to stay with what they know. As for me, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to roll, roll the dice every day. And they passed on that. But I talked to a friend about this idea and he said, you know what? I have a friend or acquaintance that's that's Mark Harmon's agent manager, a guy named Barry Axelrod down in, in, in Encinitas. So I put a presentation together. Michael made the, the introduction. I went down and met with Barry. I said, Barry, you don't know me from Adam. I've worked in sports. Here's my idea. We can buy this team for $260,000, which includes some uniforms and an old bus. You know, mm, wow. let's move with the San Bernardino. And he went to Mark. And Barry came back and said, okay, we'll do that. Mark had just started. He had just been named the sexiest man of the year by mm. People Magazine. He had just starred in a short-lived series. This was before uh, CSI or whatever on that, before his fame. And he had started in a, a, there was a series about minor league baseball, which didn't last but one season. So we bought the team and uh, moved to San Bernardino. Now, we almost lost it. If you Do do we have a time limit on my stories? No, absolutely. This is your time, whatever you want to do. this This is a great story for your listeners. So Barry said, you've got Mark's money, 260000 Well, I needed to have a, we, I negotiated the deal that was a $50,000 payment. And then we could pay the other 210000 in the next six, six months. But the funeral home operator, who was kind of coordinating this for the owner, said, Roy, I need $50,000 in Ventura or in Oxnard at the Hilton and Oxnard on Friday by noon. I'm going to sell it to somebody else. No problem. Barry, we need them. I need 50,000. He said, Roy, fine. We'll wire it to you. So forth. Well, Tuesday before the Friday, look at my back account. No wire. Hmm. Wednesday, no wire. I call Barry's office and his secretary said, well, Barry and Mark have left there in Norman, Oklahoma, because Hmm. UCLA was playing the Sooners in Norman that Saturday. And Mark, and Mark had played for UCLA. Right? Mark had played for UCLA. Remember, this is before cell phones. It's before the internet. We have no way to get a hold of Barry to say, Barry, you forgot to transfer the money. So I'm frantically on Thursday talking to people here down here in Newport. Hey, lend me a bridge loan, $50,000 onto Monday, and I'll give you 10% ownership in this team. Uh, Roy, I don't know about that. Hmm. Nobody, 10% ownership. I was giving it away. I just right. needed a way. We we're going to have the money. Sure. Yeah. 
I went to my mother. I said, Mom, and my mother has has been blessed to be be have been successful. I said, Mom, can you loan me fifty thousand dollars? It's not for a, it's not a loan. It's a bridge loan. You'll have the money next week, right. and you get ten percent of this team. She said, I don't, I don't want to go do with ten percent. I don't want. You're my son. Here's the fifty thousand. So I got the fifty thousand. Went up there, and we bought the team. What we also did, the the Paul Oberjerky, I think, was the editor of the San Bernardino Sun. And the San Bernardino Sun at that time and the Daily Bulletin were big papers. This one, newspapers were big. Yeah. He had got wind of something and he said, boy, are you talking about minor league baseball? And I don't want to get beat. You know, this is if you move into San Bernardino, I don't want my newspaper to get beat. I don't want to read it in the L.A. Times. I said, Paul, trust me. You will not get beat. I know, Ed, how valuable it is to have that local media on your side. Sure. I said, you would not get beat, trust me. Well, got up $50,000 check to the guy. We, we secured the franchise. I remember calling Paul Oberjerky, say, Paul, you have it first. Mark Harmon and I have purchased the, the Ventura goals. We're moving it to San Bernardino for next season. We're going to play in Fiscalini Field. And the next morning, and I went to San Bernardino, stayed that night because I wanted to see the newspaper. The next day on the news on the the, the, the newsstands, here's the San Bernardino Sun headline across minor league baseball coming to San Bernardino. Here's a picture of Mark Carmen, a picture of me. I don't care what was happening in the world, it was below the fold. This was, and that was very important because it gave us instant credibility on it. I love that. That's, now, that's funny you said the Ventura goals. I was I did one season. 86 the old palm springs angels and the, yeah. i remember the very first game i did was against the goals i had totally forgotten about that yeah yeah so, i was a, a color commentator in spanish on the palm that, springs angels baseball games in 86 that was the palm springs angel they were that was owned by the guys that owned some movie movie theaters if you remember alan somebody and because i got to know them because we got we were we were now ownership sure. Now, another great story on this, you know, we don't know season seed or whatever. So I went to Paul Oberjerky and the promotion director at the Sun. And they say, well, now we're going to have a team. Let's run a contest. Let's name the team. Why do we want to name the team? Hey, Sam, but you know, son, would you be interested in running a name the team contest? Yeah, absolutely. We want it. So I went to the post office down at Waterman and Annex and got a P.O. box. Went to the paper and said, run it. If they can send their suggestions into this P.O. box, name the team, P.O. box, San Bernardino. Sure. So they started to run big ads in the San Bernardino Sun, name the team. So about four or five, six days after they started to run it, I went out to San Bernardino because I still live in Orange County with my post office box key. Yeah. I wonder anybody is, is interested. Yeah. Am I going to see an empty box or what am I going to see, right? Yeah. And I've told this story a hundred times. I remember putting my key into the P.O. box. And and this, and remember, this is 50 years ago or whatever. It was 80, 86, 87. Yeah, and I remember turning the sure. key, turning the key, and it felt like there was some pressure coming. And I remember opening it. And as I opened it, some letters flew, kind of fell out, and it was packed. Wow. I go, whoa. So I started to pull this out. And here's a yellow thing. Please come to the front desk. We have mail for you. More mail for you. So I went to the front desk, gave it to the guy. He goes in the back, 30 seconds later, he comes out and he's carrying a big box packed with letters. And I said to myself, we are going to kick butt this in San Bernardino. And there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of suggestions. Remember, this is... Inland Empire never had a minor league team. There was a team in San Bernardino back in the 30s and so forth. And uh, we we were an independent. We hired Rich Dower, who was from San Bernardino, was the third baseman for the Orioles. He collected a bunch of independent guys. And you know the independent league. They baseball better than <laughs> others. Um, and we almost made the playoffs the first year. The second year, we signed a PBA with Seattle. And they sent us a uh, 18-year-old left-handed center fielder who became one of the great players of all time, Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. And that yeah. established that. And we were selling out and we were doing things. And uh, and we had to spend a lot of money 
fixing up Fisk Laney Field. And we went to the city saying, we keep on spending money. Can you build us a new stadium? No. Rancho Cucamonga called. We met with them and they said, if we build it, will you come? And the rest is history. So that's awesome. And we sold the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes to the Brett Brothers probably 10, 12 years ago for six and a half million dollars. So $260,000 to six million. Plus, we made a lot of money during the time, as you know, the Quakes were highly successful. So, yeah, they're still still doing great. Uh, On the field this year, they're having a great season, but off the field, I know they've been going to Quakes games since, well, mid 90s when they first came around. So, Minor league baseball is not is or minor league sports is not because now it costs so much. I mean, if you wanted to buy the Quakes, that would probably cost you eight million. Now you're yeah. down. Now that's you, you almost can't. You're almost buying it because you want a trophy. You have the money. You want to say, I own a team. I'm the Jerry Jones. I'm I'm a Stan Gronke or so forth on that. It's very hard to be successful in minor league sports ownership. Yeah, except if you're fighting more. About 15 years ago, I think it was, they set a minimum price of $3 million, I think, even just to get into the conversation to buy a minor league team. So anywhere yeah. in the country. So yeah. Yeah, I've worked a lot in minor league sports, as you know, independent baseball and a lot of exposure to minor league teams around the country. And it's, it fascinates me as well. So baseball, you're doing that. You've also obviously done arena football. You've done right. minor league hockey. Let's fast forward now into how does this love for baseball or was it more of a love of minor league and the business or was it transferring that love of baseball over into boxing and MMA? Um, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of a template and I have it on my wall up here. If I have, I, I have a whole lot of sayings on my wall. I can see it. Yep. I'm a real fan of that. And one says, um, If you give them great entertainment at a great price in a great environment and say thank you, they will come back. And it, it, it's minor league sports is about entertainment more than it is about competition because the people don't know the players. It's not like right. they're coming to see Manny Pacquiao fight or Kenny Griffey Jr. or 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 uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who's I think the best player, or Mike Trout. It's for the how can we entertain them for two and a half hours at a good price and keep the place clean. And, and, and so that, I, I mean, that, that's not hard to transfer, except you transfer to a, a boxing ring or an MMA sure. cage on that. I got into that in 1985 after I left the farm uh, because I bought the radio rights to Irvine Basketball and I was selling it to the Irvine Marriott. They had just opened up and a guy asked me, it was a boxing fan, and he's, I said, yeah, I'm, I could do boxing in your mm-hmm. ballroom. And I didn't think he would ever be serious about it. And they ended up doing it. Um, and the rest is history. You know why, Ed, also, they were at that time in 85, there were about eight or nine licensed boxing promoters in the state. And maybe six or seven were not the most savory characters at mm-hmm. that time. And I felt if you bought integrity and a good business sense and treated as a business, you could be successful. And, and, we did the first Irvine Marriott show on February 16th, 1985, turned away 300 people. And, mm-hmm. and, and here we are 30 something years later, still, still doing great in Orange County. Think about the last time you bought a gift for a friend or family member. The better you know them, the easier it was to get them something memorable, right? Well, it's the same for brands that want to deliver memorable customer experiences. The better they know their customers, the more likely they are to establish strong relationships, exceed expectations, and build loyalty. At McKenzie, that's what we do. We empower brands to understand and connect with the person behind the purchase, so their customer experiences are meaningful, unique, and truly valuable. Learn more at McKenzieCorp.com. Yeah, I attended some of the battle in the ballroom at the Irvine Marriott. Um, I've obviously been to some of your more recent ones at the Orange County Fairgrounds at the Hangar. Promote that a little bit. You're a promoter, obviously. So to ask a promoter to promote is like asking the rest of us to breathe. Um, how did you How did you evolve into moving it over to the hangar at Orange County Fairgrounds? And just talk about that experience. I'd love right. to get my insight on it too, but I'd love to hear from you right. first. Well, we were at the Irvine Marriott 25 years. We yeah. were, you know, we were everybody. If you, I mean, there wasn't hardly anyone I would talk to or meet for the first time in Orange County it, that, that I tell them, a new person, what I did, 
and they, they would either say, yeah, I've been to your shows. Two, I have a good friend who goes all the time. Or three, mm-hmm. I wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, everybody knew after 25 years that there was fighting at the Irvine Marriott. We were happy um, there. I had just hired my son, Drew, to come to work for me. At the same time, I knew the CEO at the Orange County Fair Events there. And he said, Roy, come over. We're, we're building this new building on our site. And I didn't know the, I mean, here I live in Newport Beach for 40 years. I, I've gone to the fair, but I didn't, I didn't know about the fair at Costa Mesa that much or the or, or all the buildings. So I go over and meet Doug and he takes me and it's a replica hangar <laughs> with the doors that open. And I walked in, I said, oh, this, this is interesting. Yeah. Always as a promoter, when you look for a venue, 50 foot ceiling, I said, okay. But I'm driving back and say, you know what? What they say, if it's not broken, you don't fix it. We're at the Irvine Marriott. We have a very good deal with them. They treated us right. Everybody knows what is there. Season seat holders, valet parking. You walk in, they had champion sports sports, a nice Thursday night experience. About three weeks later, Doug, Doug uh, Lofstrom at the fair said, Roy, come back. I want to show you something. We've had it. I go back over there. We walk to the hangar. He go in and there's a 40 foot video board. That wasn't there before. Hmm. And then the camera said, we've added that. And I said, uh, that's that, a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. And I go to my son and, and, and Drew said, we got to leave. We got to go to the hangar, dad. Come on. It, I mean, we're, all we're renting is four walls with a 16 foot ceiling. Let's get to the hangar. And we moved. And I was really very anxious thinking that people, they are so comfortable going there. But it's not like we were going to Pomona. Not like we were going to Bakersfield. We were going as the crow flies, maybe maybe a mile. On right. That. And uh, and as you've been there, and I and I felt Ed that for a few dollars more, you can make your event feel big time and have that big time feel. And too many young promoters or or club promoters or minor league promoters, you know, they won't spend that extra five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to make that the, the event special. And we decided that we're gonna f- have a lighting trust. We're gonna put the video board and we're gonna put the show on the video board and we're gonna have a cigar lounge. And it's been highly successful. You go in there and it's not because it's our show. And I've been to shows and I've done shows at Madison Square Garden, the forum, you name it. That has a big time feel. There's a lot of energy in the room. Absolutely. And, 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 and you can't, you can't, you have to create that because you can't buy that. You have to create it because you want fans to get there and say, holy mackerel, this is packed. This is the place I want to be. I use example when the ducks were about the third or fourth years of the ducks, they got really bad. Mm-hmm. You would go over there. They would announce in the paper 9,000 and people would say, Roy, there's 4,000 in, mm-hmm. in it. So if you went to a Ducks game, you're kind of wondering, why am I here? Nobody else is. Right. And I've been, when I was at the Marriott, talking about the Marriott, Ed, I would have my season ticket holders of friends say, boy, what, you packed the Marriott. Why don't you go to the Bren Center? It's only, you know, it's a mile down the road. You see Irvine, you could have. And I thought to myself, you know what? I could go there and I could probably do a student promotion ticket price. And I might be able to sell 500 more Seats. So I would go from 1400 to Marriott to maybe 2000, right. but I'd have 3000 empty it seats. It would look empty. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the people who thought I was a genius would say, why you've lost your touch. Look at all those empty seats. You don't right. want that. Yeah. Perception is key. This is where people want to be. And that's why we, pack. and that's why we ended up having suites at, yeah. at, at the shows. Yeah. I could have put seats in there, but that means I would have had to sell another 400 mm-hmm. seats. Right. It's easy to sell 10 VIP suites than 400 seats. So we're packed. Well, I've been there and I've taken, as you know, because I see you every time yeah. I go. And thank you for, for helping us with that. But I've taken my sports management students there from all over the world. I've taken clients there. I've taken friends there. And the one word common denominator that I hear from all of them is wow. Yeah. And, and it is. It's that electric atmosphere. It's the it's memorable. And like you said before, they either have heard about it, they've been, or they want to go. 
And you know, I'm an evangelist for what you do for this. I'm not. I'm not a huge boxing and MMA guy. I couldn't name right. any fighter other than the, you know, the Muhammad Ali's and the Oscar De La Hoya's and the, and the right. big name guys. But uh, I have sat next to the families of some of your fighters and and been hugging them when their son won, <laughs> or consoling them after he lost yeah. or she. And uh, yeah. it's been a pretty great experience. Yeah. Oh, you're right, Ed. And and every. When, when it's set up and ready to open the doors, I just stand there and I just thank the Lord that, wow, it is. And you're right. People that walk in for the first time, that they're guests, one of your guests, they've never been there before. They walk in and they can't believe that this mini arena, this mini arena has been created, yeah. you know, and there's music on the screen yeah. going on and the lighting trust. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's. So they go, they go to work the next day and probably tell 10 people about yeah. where I have been. And, uh, and so that's what we do. And we pay, we spend a little more. It's not cheap, but boy, you know, I mean, you gotta, if, if you want them to come back, you have to. Another thing it yeah. says that which we know it's not how many tickets we sell, but how many customers keep coming back. Hmm. And that's what, it's not how many tickets you sell, but right. how many customers keep coming back? So we have to keep on putting on a show. We're going to give Randy's Donuts away starting our first show because there's now a Randy's Donut on Harbor Boulevard. There you go. Yeah, when I worked in minor league baseball, my second favorite thing was to see fans come through the gate for the first time. My favorite thing was to see them come the second time, and yeah. the third time, and the fourth time. And and then when you and then this applies whether it's minor league sports or whatever business you're in is when your clients keep coming back and they'll come back if you wow them the first time. And that looks yep. different depending on what industry you're in. So let's go back. So you've been, uh, I hear the word potential a lot when I talk to you in, in a lot of the things that you've, you know, I, I, some people may say you have the Midas touch. You might not say that about yourself because I know that you probably have had some things that haven't gone well too, but let me go back to something else that went really well back in the, uh, late 70s around 1980 or so you you had the idea for the laker girls when you were working at the forum and the lakers and the kings tell me how that idea came around and uh opposition you probably faced and just how that evolved because that's yeah. they're like the iconic dance team for all of sports absolutely um well i worked for jack ken cook his last five years and i worked for jerry bus first his his first two and a half years I, you know, I tried to get to Mr. Cook, who was an older guy. And I was now 30, I was 30, 31. So I was pretty energetic and so forth. And I went to Mr. Cook several times about, could we change the music? Could I bring in a live band? And, and we had a Wurlitzer organ for us. Some of your listeners who are old timers, remember, we had a Wurlitzer organ at the, at the forum. And that was the only music. And Mr. Cook would tell me, Roy... The Wurlitzer organ is a wonderful musical instrument. That's fine. And he wouldn't do it. Change anything. He changes. He sells it to Dr. Jerry Buss. And back in, in that was 79, 80, Dr. Right. Buss was, what, 40 years old or 35. He had his dollies on both arms and he was a playboy. And I always felt that a dance team would work at. And I, I not a cheerleader's. This is when the NFL had the cheerleaders and they the boots, the high boots, and the TNA. There was a lot of TNA they were selling the NFL. I right. didn't want that. I wanted more upbeat dancers. And I said, the USC song leaders, the UCLA song leaders are what I'm looking for yeah. with that bubbly dance. So I went to Dr. Buss. I said, Dr. Buss, you know, I've had this idea for a while for a dance team. And, uh, you know, I think the time is right. I don't want to do NFL cheerleaders. He said, Roy, I, I just poured off this. <laughs> You've been working here. I like it. Do it if you want. So I called the SC athletic department, got the coordinator for the song girls. Same thing at UCLA. Talked to them. I said, do you have any girls that have graduated that I could get a hold of? I'm thinking putting a team together. And they got me. And I'm looking back. And I remember there was one night at the forum when we didn't have a Kings or a Lakers game. And they invited these these a couple of girls, one from UCLA, a couple from SC and one from UCLA to meet me. I said, girls, here's what I want to do. I don't want to do TNA. I don't want to do boots. I want to do similar to what SC. And do you think you could put a squad of eight girls together? One was Dolly Zachary and one was Lori Ryan, who had just been on the cover of Sports Illustrated about a year before mm -hmm. when SC was real strong, beautiful yeah. ladies. 
and they appreciated that I didn't want to exploit them. Right. Right. Dance. They said, yeah, right. It's going to take, you know, maybe to get the girls is take about, you know, two or three months to learn a routine and so forth. I said, Great. I remember going down, downtown LA, the garment district and found a, a, a two ladies, Spicer and Spicer, after we had got the girl sizes and they made one outfit and I went to a, a, a shoe store, a tennis shoe store and got the size and made, got the same shoes. I don't even know what it was. It wasn't Nike or anything. Yeah. Cause we didn't know. So our season started and this was magic's also rookie year. Yeah. But we didn't know how good magic was going to be. Right. Um, and I, and finally Lori calls me and says, Roy, we're ready with this routine. And I've always felt, Ed, and again, for your listeners, this is so important. Always felt that you, and we didn't tell anybody we were doing a Lakers dance team. I'm a firm believer. If you're going to create a, a mascot or a dance team, don't announce it beforehand because you've been, and a lot of promoters want, or, or marketing guys want to announce it. Hey, this year we're going to have a Dodger mascot. If you do that, everybody creates in their own mind what they think the mascot's going to be. Oh, most people are going to be disappointed, yeah. And, and when you do it, it, they're going to be disappointed and they won't accept it. So I said, nobody knew about the Laker girls. Nobody. Hello, my name is John Royce Lynch, founder and CEO of PCMA Private Client. As a former professional surfer and native of Southern California, I have always enjoyed Wahoo's fish tacos. When the pandemic hit, the response by Wahoo's was unparalleled, creating the California Love Drop by supporting frontline workers and those in need. On behalf of the PCMA private client community and our amazing team, it is an honor to be able to support this noble effort. To lend a hand and to learn more, please visit californialovedrop.org. Lori calls me. We're ready to, yes, we have them back. And this is when Lon, Lon Rosen yeah. was my intern. Lon is now executive VP with the Dodgers. Dodgers yeah. Rick Orienza, who became the marketing guy for the, the Pirates. He was a Long Beach State grad. And a couple other ones. We all had walkie-talkies. And I said, here's what it's going to be. Rick, you're going to be under the basket. Lon, you're going to be back with, in the tunnel with the, ring, with the Laker girls. I said, it has to be the moment where the crowd's into the game. We need to look at a time, as you know, in a, in a basketball game, an NBA game, when the, a team runs off, the home team runs off about 10 or 12 straight points and the other team calls a timeout in the crowd and into it. I said, that's what we want. Then we'll, I'm going to call Code Red and the girls come out. Well, the first game back, the Lakers lost. We didn't have any of those moments. So, okay. Sorry. Be tonight. The next game, and I remember they're back there, and we were on a run, and Don Ford, who blonde beach bum from UC Santa Barbara, who became a very close friend. Don Ford, 6'8", steals the ball, goes the length of the court, and slam dunks it, and the crowd goes wild. And I go, code red, code red. The, these girls went out on the floor. I could remember kind of a murmur. What is, what's going on? Yeah. They cue the music. They did this great routine and they ran off completely back to the tunnel. And I had my announcer just say the Laker girls. Hmm. Which they still do they to this day. They did not come out again. And the next day in the LA Times, the in the second paragraph was last night, the Lakers introduced the dance team, the Laker girls. And the next game, they came out and did one routine. And then we didn't even stay out there. That was only maybe near the end of the season that the girls actually stayed on the court. Because we, we didn't we didn't know it. And right. the rest is the rest is, is history, history, as I say. Now, yeah. to make me feel old, those original Laker girls are grandmothers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. On that. Uh, yeah, I went to so, I went to a Laker game. I've had the good fortune of getting to know Jeannie Bus. I never met Dr. Bus. Well, I met him once, but didn't know him. Yeah. But I've gotten to know Jeannie pretty well. She did an event for us a few years ago at Cal State Fullerton for our Center for Family Business. And uh, she was kind enough to to hook a buddy of mine up and I up with some seats with her and Linda Rambis, Kurt's wife, who are their best friends, sure. right next to the Laker girls. And all I remember is looking at them and thinking, my daughters are older than these girls, you know, yeah. so yeah. Talk about, talk about aging. Right. So, yeah. well, yeah, that, that's pretty iconic. So you've, so you, you had this idea for the Laker girls, you had this idea of moving a minor league baseball team to San Bernardino. You had this idea of 
you know, boxing and MMA and a hotel ballroom and then the hangar and obviously lots of things that have just been like, wow, that they've worked great. Talk about your ability to see potential to where did that come from? Not, not all of us have that. And, you know, some call it the Midas touch, like I talked about, some call it just good luck or what have you, but where did that, where did you first really see a potential idea and see it work out? Was there something prior to that? Or is it something that I'd be curious how that all evolved? You know, I, I, I looked myself in the mirror a number of times and I talked to my wife, Nancy, I said, why I'm a PE major from a small Christian college in Arkansas. I got my master's degree at Northeast Oklahoma State in education administration. I thought about being a administrator or a principal. I, I, so, and when I graduated in 67, they, they, people didn't even know how to spell entrepreneur, much less know what it was on that. And I didn't have any classes in marketing or so forth. It, it's a, it, it's got, it's a God-given ability, but Ed, to answer that, I have no idea. When I came to California, and I married a girl who was going to John Brown University in Arkansas, who was, who, was, who was six years younger, and she was from Newport Beach. I was going to spend the rest of my life in the Ozarks of Arkansas. Now you can figure that out. At, let's see, Newport Beach, the yeah. Ozarks. A little Newport different. Beach. Yeah. She wanted to go back home, and I got a job as a sports information director at, um, at UC Irvine. And I did a banana eating contest to get people in a shoot for the Z. I have no idea, but I will say that you you have to create opportunities, and that's from reading. That I mean, that's from reading Sports Business Journal. That's from reading Forbes magazine. That's from having looking at a billboard on this while you're waiting at a stoplight and saying, "Is there a business opportunity there?" For years, I subscribed to Restaurant News. There's a, every mm -hmm. industry has a publication. Some trend, yeah. Publication People say, trend. why are you subscribing to Restaurant News? I said, wait a minute. The restaurants are in the service business. They want to put on a, a good, they want to have a nice venue, a good menu. They want to train their staff the right way. They do promotions. Wait a minute, isn't that what a, a sports promoter or a team owner need, needs to do? They need to do the same thing. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish I had an easy answer to that. Boy, I got a master's degree. I got an MBA from Pepperdine. No, yeah, no. Nope. It, it, it's just, it's something. I'm going to. Um, yeah, what, what would you say has been a guiding principle in your life that you've, I mean, I know you're a man of faith. And I, we've talked about that before. Um, what, what's guided you in these decisions to, to, to launch these types of ideas and, and, just something that has really been woven throughout your your character or your life. I, maybe it's my makeup that I want to launch something. I want to do something before anybody else does. It's the thrill. I don't care about making a lot of money. If I can, if I can be the first to launch something and it's successful, that is satisfaction to me. Now, Nancy would say, why don't you have enough on your plate? Why are you doing this again? A case in point here, I'm going to be 76 in November. I'm thinking of of launching the Southern California Domino's Championship. Hmm. Nice. I met some guys in Vegas who own a, do, do Domino's around the country. And again, see, it's the inaugural. There's not been a Domino's Championship. I don't want to own another, I don't want to buy a pizza parlor, a pizza place, because there's a pizza place on every corner. Right. I don't want to get in the dry cleaning business. There's a dry cleaners all over the place. If you want to launch something, find something that hasn't been done for a while and then go after it. One of the students at, at Long Beach State in the sports management program, and I'm on the advisory board, his capstone project was the Southern California High School Pickleball Championship. Mm -hmm. And I've told those students, if I like your idea, I'll be the bank. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll give you the seed money, I'll own part of that. Well, I said, wait a minute. There's never been a Southern California High School Pickleball tournament. This is not CIF or anything. I said, this could, you know, this could be successful and can make yeah. some money. And I, I say it, I've said it a thousand times. I, I can make fifteen thousand dollars thirty times. It's very hard to make four hundred fifty thousand dollars one time. And sure. too many guys or gals try to hit a home run, and they're not satisfied. And you know, just pay your bills, 
pay for the cost of show and you make some money and you do it 20 times a year, you make enough to pay your mortgage and live pretty comfortably on it. So it's seeing something before anybody else does and taking advantage of it. And, uh, and, 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 and that's, that's, that's how I lived. And it's in your blood. So here I want to retire or slow down and let, let, let Drew do a lot more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's do the dominoes. Let's do pickleball. Let's what else we want to do here on that. Because it's the thrill of launching something, creating something. Well, my wife and I recently bought a new home out in Ontario, Inland Empire. We've talked a lot about the IE. Yeah. And uh, in addition to bocce ball and swimming pool and gym, we have pickleball courts. So obviously there's something there. And you talked about, you know, everybody wants to hit a home run. And I always think of the analogy that, you know, four singles gives you the same result as one home run. And a yeah. single is a lot because easier We can't be Jerry Jones, right? We all can't be Jerry Jones or Stan Bronke right. or Steve Balsmer. It, 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 it's, it's, you got to start someplace and be happy with, you know, making a few dollars and having fun. I always say you want to make money, have fun and do good. Yep. And that's, and that's really the essence of what, of what we do. I don't need to be a multi multi-millionaire. God has blessed me more than I could ever ask for. And, uh, and, and so that's what dom, dominoes. I mean, yeah. because if you create a Southern California dominoes championship, you then have a template. Then you have the San Diego dominoes. You've then you have the, the Chicago. Then you have the, the Dallas. And the, yep. Totally. And now you can make some money and it's pretty easy. You just replicate it in different, different cities. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wish I was 40 and not 76 because it's too too much fun. So many things out there you still want to do. So yeah, you you mentioned Drew and I've gotten to know your son a little bit. And, you know, a lot of our audience is in the family business area because that's where I spend the majority of my time. Talk about working with your son and just, you know, how that evolved and, and, um, I know I've watched the two of you together at the fights at the hangar, and it's really fun for me to watch any father, son, mother, daughter, et cetera, any combination there of work together. What's it like working with your son? When did he first say, dad, I want to come work with you? And, and how did that go? That was about 12 or 13 years ago. He was at Oakley down in Foothill Ranch. And uh, I was needing, our business was just growing. We had just picked up the HP Pavilion fight night at the tank at HP Pavilion in San Jose. And I really need somebody. And, and you know, I mean, if you're going to deal with the fights and tickets and money and so forth, you really want to have a family person who's kind of watching your back. And I said, Drew, you, you're interested. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is pretty easy. You don't have to. It's not like Oakley where you got to be there at 830. You get 30 minutes for lunch and so forth. And now it's been 13 years. It hasn't been easy because when you have an older person like myself and your son, who's a younger person who looks at the world differently and you as the older person has launched, has created this baby. You think you know everything. And what can this new person, young person bring? And it took me a while to realize that I need to listen to Drew, that he brings some good ideas. And, you know, kind of, it's tough to train an old horse, new tricks. Right. Well, I I think a lot of family owned businesses, the owner, the father struggles with sometimes listening really listening to their son or daughter who's now working, who's, you know, 30 years younger or 25 years younger because the father thinks I've launched. This is my baby. What do you know? And you real, I had a, I had to erase that from my thinking and treat true as a, a partner and executive instead of, you know, what is my he kid. Know? Yeah, he doesn't know anything. Absolutely. He has no experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 now, and I, you know, and I'd be I'd be looking over his shoulder early on. I think a lot of family business, the father in the early stages looks over the kid's shoulder, wants to check everything because they don't give their their son or daughter the credit that they're pretty smart. You know, sure. Drew's a college graduate and so forth. And I and that used to bug Drew. Now I don't, I mean, I it's I get the point. I don't, I don't worry about anything because he's covering it all and he knows how I think. And, uh, but it isn't easy. And, and Ed, you have done a wonderful job at Cal state Fullerton with, with your family business, uh, school. And it's just, I, I, it's, it needs to go because there's a lot of, I, I don't have to tell you, there's a lot of conflict in families that have been yeah. broken up because they just couldn't yeah. John Townsend, who was a, a, a 
New York bestseller. He did Boundaries with Henry Cloud, and he's a good good friend. I remember he said when I was thinking of hiring Drew, he said, "Boy, ninety eight percent of father sons working together don't work out. It's it, it, it isn't easy, as you know. It isn't yeah. easy." But it's those two percent, and when it does work, yeah, it's, it's magical. And that's you know, absolutely. I mean, right. I don't, I don't want to see any conflict in a family business, but I also know that, like you said, there is going to always be, and um, the 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 joy in watching that relationship evolve. Yeah. I love watching you and your son work together and run run things at the at the fights and and so forth. And I just love when I do see that success in the transition. Now you guys haven't transitioned. You've just worked together. So it's not yeah. like you've really created this succession where you're, you're not retiring. You're 76 years old <laughs> almost, and you're still about to launch the Southern California domino championship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're not, you're not, you're not hanging up the cleats anytime soon. Um, how does that work? I mean, oftentimes you will see in a family business that the son is eager for dad to step back, maybe not fully retire and ride off to, you know, the golf course every day, but to step back and move him or her, the daughter, again, the next gen into that leadership role. I get that with you and Drew, it works really well that you each have your identified roles and he's not really kind of, he knows his dad's not retiring anytime soon. Yeah. So yeah. How, how does that work with, what yeah. do you think Drew would say about this relationship? Right, right, right. You're right. I've, um, I've told him I'm ready to retire every year for the last five or six years. Yeah, so he not. doesn't leave me anymore. No. What, what, what has happened is that I've let him, I, I don't get involved much anymore. I don't question him. I don't, I used to say, Drew, hey, do we, ha, have you got the, uh, are the tables going to be delivered? Are the fences going to be delivered? And he'd say, dad, you know, I've been doing this for 70 years. Quit asking me that. Yeah. When is so, it not? Right. 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 I don't, I don't worry about it anymore. He, I don't, it takes a while for me to think that, give him credit where credit is due. Now I don't look over his shoulder. I don't remind him when he's been doing this for eight years, I don't have to remind them are the ring card girls booked. He knows that. And, and, and so that has made things easier. I've just given him more and more responsibility and plus not got involved yeah. and, uh, and give him the freedom. Cause that's what the fathers sometimes working with their sons don't give the son or the daughter the freedom to really, Hey dad, I want to help. I want to take some of the burden off of you and, and we go kicking and screaming sometimes. So it's worked out well uh, for this show. And because we've had 18 months of doing nothing, I, I, I haven't done much. I have not interfered because I don't have to worry about Drew not knowing how we run our business yeah. because he has that. He has that skill. So you're 75. You said a moment ago that sometimes I wish I was 40. What would you do if you were 40? What would you do? in the next 40 years of your career slash life that you're probably not going to do because you're 75. Yeah. Anything come to mind? No, I, I you know, I, I, we've been blessed. We, Nancy and I have traveled. Um, you know, I wish I would have, wish I would have borrowed $260,000 back <laughs> in 1985 and bought the Ventura goals at that yeah. time, but we didn't know. And that was a, a lot of money out there. No, um, you know, I, I like to be, I love talking to young people who want to get in this business, who want to be entrepreneurs. Right now, I'm a firm believer, don't wait for your resume to get read. It's too hard. Think about starting your own business. Think about being an entrepreneur. And here are the 10 steps of being an entrepreneur uh, and, 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 and create something. Create the Orange County Skateboarding Championships. Mm -hmm. Create the Southern California Domino Championships because they're out there. And, uh, and that's what I love to, uh, to do and mentor and instruct and teach. You mentioned a word I was going to go to next, and you beat me to it by a couple seconds. Mentor. Talk about early mentors that you've had. Anybody that comes to mind, whether it's childhood or throughout, that's just been that person that's kind of been your, your well that you go back to. You know, I, I don't really. I, 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 don't, I don't come from a very good family upbringing, a very abusive father. Um, divorced parents, good mother. Um, because it was a P major, I didn't have that great marketing teacher, that great business teacher on that. Um, no, I, I don't really have anybody. I, I love some of the early entrepreneurs, if you will. The, uh, the, the not that I'm believe I'm believing their uh, political stand, but 
Jeff Bezos. I mean, mm-hmm. he wanted to buy a book. He couldn't get the book. And he said, why, why do we have to go to a store? How about selling online? That's an entrepreneur. Yeah. He saw something before anybody else didn't took advantage of on that. Um, no, I, I think it's just reading about different people. And, sure. and you know, it's not stealing ideas. If you see some idea that works out or you see something that looks pretty good, you can take it and tweak it and, and put it together. Um, Imitation so no, is the greatest form of flattery, people. right? We love, yeah. I mean, we love when people imitate us and, and try to try to make it even better. When you think about mentoring younger kids, what do you look for in them? I mean, what are you looking for? Because I'm sure that in your line of work, because I know some of my students would say, hey, do you think Mr. Engelbrecht would be interested in working with me? It's like, well, what do you look for when you are? Well, somebody who's not afraid, right. Somebody who's not afraid to have the sweat under their armpits, not afraid to roll up the sleeves and realize it, it worked. Many are called, few are chosen. And I use this example that I hired this kid. This is when we had the NBA D-League team at the Anaheim Convention Center for two years. It would have been very successful, except the owners didn't listen to me and they didn't have enough money. You know, I said, you're going to launch a team in Orange County. You better have enough money. But we played the Anaheim Convention Center. And the first game we gave out, I forget what it was. We gave out a jersey or caps or so forth at different doors. And I had, as you know, give away, you had people with boxes at each door. And I had this kid, Arnold Berber, who I knew had hired to kind of be one of the doors. And I'm running around and so forth. And I see Arnold leaving and he's taking some hats from his box because another door was running low. And something I hadn't asked about. And I stopped and I said, this kid is taking the initiative. He sees that instead of just being focused, I just right. been hired to put at my door. Right. He was saying, hey, they are going to run out. I better get over there and replenish them from his. And I hired him because I, 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 I called him the next day and said, could come in an interview. I mean, he was just hired that night. I said, what are you doing? And so what? Because he saw us, he was ready to solve a problem. He wasn't just into, I'm only hired to do this one specific thing. And you can't find those in, in a lot of people anymore. So yeah. um, that, that's why I look for somebody who's creative, and is willing to, you know, work along hours and not be looking at the ring card girls or right. not be looking to go home early, uh, you know, and, 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 and they're not many anymore. Every, I mean, the, our younger generation is what's in it for me. And do I really have to work that hard? And can you pay me a hundred thousand a year? Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, Ed, you brought it. It's kind of like going to the winter meetings at major league baseball and being interviewed for minor league positions, you're going to make a thousand a month if you're lucky. And mm-hmm. this is 2019. You right. want to work? This is what we have. You want to work in sports? You're not going to get rich at our level, but learn as much as you can, maybe, and start the, the Southern California Dominoes Championship. There you go. Yeah, I interviewed when I was the GM of the Fullerton Flyers independent minor league baseball team. I interviewed a lot of kids, young people who wanted to work in sports and most wanted to, you know, ask me, how do I become a general manager? And it's like, well, that's a great question to ask, but let's start with, you know, how can I get my foot in the door and where do you need me? Yeah. You know, and you get these young people who would say, look, I just want to come in and work and I want to make a difference in these fans' lives and I want to give them entertainment. Because I look at your res, if I were to look at your resume, I mean, from working for at the forum and working for you know, the Lakers and the Kings and doing events and promoting and then minor league baseball, then hockey, then arena football. Now, yeah. you know, MMA and boxing, it's not the individual sport necessarily that you obviously love. It's the promotion and it's the people. Absolutely. And so I think what you do could lay over into just about any industry if you have the right passion for what you're doing. Sure, sure. So. So what's next? I know, well, you've got the U.S. Domino or the Southern California yeah. Domino Champions. Yeah, that we're working on a couple of other projects that are very exciting, had nothing to do with the fight business, but it's, it's. I'm a firm believer, don't mention some new things you're working on because people you will steal your, steal your ideas. Don't talk about the Laker girls until they've danced yeah, once in yeah, front yeah, of 17, absolutely, five, absolutely. right? Absolutely. But there's a couple of projects for 2022 that I think will be some of the biggest things we've ever done so it's pretty exciting and nothing to do with the one is nothing to do with the fight fight business it's just something i see so when you're not promoting you're not working you're you know 
you're you're looking for ways to get involved in the community. What what what's what touches you? What what drives you? Where you? Because I know you do a lot of giving back as well. What are the areas that uh, that are really most important to you? Well, it's it's giving back. A, I'm I'm a firm believer in I'm in tithing. It's scriptural on that. So we do do support a number of a number of Christian charities and other charities that necessarily aren't aren't, aren't Christians. Um, I served on the Newport Beach Park Beach and Recreation. I'm a firm believer, you know, don't complain, compete. If you're not happy with the city council in your town, don't complain, compete, run for city council, if you will. And if you win, then 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 you can make a difference. You can try on the too many people complain and that's all they do, do is complain. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of hobbies. I don't play golf. I just, <laughs> I go, I work out six, six days a week at the gym and, uh, and and come come to the office. I've been blessed to work in sports, and I I I love getting up in the morning because I'm getting to work in what I love. So uh, yeah, so that's pretty nice. If you couldn't have had this amazing long career in sports, have you ever think back, go back to the mid '70s before it all started, of what you might have done? Yeah. Well, I, I want to be a career officer in the army. I went to a very prestigious military academy in high school. And I was, because I didn't have any home life, that was it. And because it was a very prestigious ROTC school, I really wanted to go to college, get my degree so I could go to office candidate school and make a career of the army. And this is 1967 and I graduated. And if I would have gone and followed my dream, I would have gone to Vietnam in 68 as the second lieutenant. And there were more second lieutenants being, that being killed in Vietnam during that time. And the Lord had other ideas. Yeah. I did that, but that was my dream was to be a career officer. Awesome. In the service. Well, Roy, you've done some amazing things. You've, you've uh, had some, some tremendous successes and you've made a big impact on a lot of people. And uh, I thank you for your time today and for, for our friendship and for the right. chances that we've had to work together. This last year has been certainly a, a challenge for, for people around the world. Uh, you and I have stayed connected through some of the Zoom calls and other things that we've done. You talked about how you weren't, obviously you weren't promoting fights and, and you weren't doing other events. What lesson, two questions left. One question now is if there's a lesson that you learned in this quote unquote downtime uh, and to find down any way you want, I don't mean just emotionally, but literally right. not doing these events. Is there any lesson that you've learned through this that you are now going to take with you moving forward? You know, um, I'm looking at all my my 30 quotes on the board here. One is, do what you love so much, you would do it for free. Um, I got more people calling me from all over. Ed, you see that? Um, it should never be about the money. It should be about what is fair. Um, if your business model isn't connecting with people you are trying to serve, you are in trouble. The big one is evolve or die. Yeah. That's been the biggest thing during this COVID. And Drew really liked that because we did. Evolve or die. And people that were able to evolve during COVID were able to get through. Yeah. People that could not evolve died. And a lot of businesses died. So that's yeah. my thing, evolve or die. And that goes for even post-COVID. In your business, evolve or die. This is a changing world. Everything changes and your iPhone changes from the five to a six to a seven. You got to yeah. change. So how are the fights going to, I know, you know, I don't mean like with COVID protocols and so forth, yeah. but the overall experience, how is it going to be better coming back than it was before? Well, we, we changed some things. We're going to do our goals a little different. We're putting some draping on there. We want people to come in, even though they love the hanger, we want the hanger to look a little different, to be a kind of, a, oh, that's new on yeah. that. Um, we'll have to have some signage out about, you know, if you're, the fair wants us to put something. If you're not vaccinated, we'd appreciate you wear a mask, but they're not checking passports or that, that sort of thing. So yeah. it's, a, it's a, you know, until we get this under control, it'll be a little different, but I mean, we haven't had anybody ask for their money back that bought a ticket yeah. a month ago. Everybody's coming. Awesome. Very good. Well, Roy, as you know, the podcast is called From the Heart. As my last yeah. name is Heart, but it really is more than that. It's really getting into it. The whole reason that I do this 
is the intriguing conversations and what I learn and sharing these conversations with whoever listens and watches. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the one question I ask everyone, and I'll ask you, Roy, what's in your heart? Jesus.